Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn hands off the middle, hit the backfield and drill. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It's a Husker Hoops game day Saturday. Two of them. We're taking you right up to right up to pregame action. Are we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's an I 11 a.m. 11 a.m. tip off for the men. They're out in Maryland. Dreaded road game for the Husker men's basketball. We can talk all about it because guess who wrote an article about that yesterday? I'm gonna, this guy. I'm gonna guess this it is guy. That, that Bears fan gentleman over there. Are we talking about this? You're already dressed in all your Kansas City Chiefs stuff. That's kind of wild. I know. You don't have to pull it down. We're not on stream anymore. It's a nice jersey. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I do. You, you know what? We, I, uh, we will have a fellow NFC North um, member, Ma- uh, Mike Schaefer. Yeah, I'm going to ask Schaefer about that because I don't know. I've, I was talking to some friends yesterday. By the way, I do have money riding uh, on not your your game. But I do have money riding on the San Francisco Detroit game in the preseason. My father and I placed a bet on the San Francisco 49ers to make the Super Bowl. So just to make to make it. So pretty good bet. Looking good. Hundred to win. I think hundred to win three hundred or something like that. So okay. go yeah. not. And I already hate the Lions. We already know my hate for the Lions has already been described in the show very well. They play in my division. They can go kick rocks. We also noted last week that you will not be hedging in that direction either. I no. <laughs> no, we you and I had a great conversation about hedges and you were like what if the Packers were to 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 get there and I'd be like there is no way on God's green earth would I ever bet on the I might I don't know if I ever had to hedge on anything, maybe I hedge on the Lions. I would never hedge on the Packers though. Ever. So there is a different level. Oh, the Packers are the worst. All right. Yeah, no. But the Lions still suck. Still hate the Lions. That's, that's kind of how I feel like the Broncos, they're another level. They're another level. The Raiders nah. also suck. Also suck. And but you the, don't give a crap about the Chargers. No. I don't give a crap about the Vikings. Hey, speaking of the Chargers, Jim Harbaugh. Hey. Does a little that, spicy. I got, I got a question a for you. We can talk about this because this is a Nebraska topic. Yeah. Are you? Do you have any sort of feeling? Are you happy he's gone? Are you like? What is your? Because I have a take on it. Out of Michigan? Yeah. I mean, Michigan. I don't think will go. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to go let, anywhere. Let me let me say this. They they, they have yeah. a lot of infrastructure in place to Absolutely. still be successful. Yes. They're I still mean, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. but they're they're, st- they're still going to be I think on another level compared to where Nebraska's at. Two three years from now. Can Sharon Moore sustain the level of success that Jim Harbaugh's had in place? That that is what I have more questions about. And frankly, how how is is the Matt Rule at Nebraska trajectory looking two to three years from I now? I think as well? you're I think you're missing something here because I'm indifferent about it. I don't care that he's he left, and I don't care that he's still there because there's going to be a very rough time in Michi- Michigan football Sanctions. coming up. Oh my God! I mean, they're going to get. Two years, maybe, of bowl ineligibility, maybe even three years. I mean, you that, think bowl bans coming? Oh yeah. my! 
has to. It has to. I haven't done. I know that bull in my in my life, and you and you have more. I mean, you've had a longer life, so you would know more. But these types of bowl ineligibility bans come from non-football stuff, typically. Yeah, Penn State with Sandusky, yeah. uh, Baylor with with uh, Art Bryles' mm-hmm. situation. Those were the only two that I really remember where bowl ineligibility bans. You know, those were non-football stuff. I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like this is a big enough violation at least on the football field to get bowl ineligibility in my opinion per- pure speculation yeah. so so whether or not Harbaugh was there or Harbaugh wasn't Michigan's going to go through a lot of adversary adversity over the next couple of years regardless if he's still the coach or not and so I think it's good for him that he left because it's going to be a hairy situation in Michigan, and he's already accomplished what he wants to accomplish. And yeah. I think Michigan is going to take the bands and they'll polish off their trophy. But I think for the next two to three years, I don't think Michigan really is going to be that big of a threat. Harbaugh beat the 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 rush out the door. Like they were going to. Oh come my for god! Him for well, sure. they and had an extension out there for him. They, they were, Michigan no, they, was going to do it. Michigan was trying to keep him. There was they they, they came to an impasse on something with the contract. Anyway, yeah. e- even if that stuff does come down for Michigan, it's not going to apply for. 2024, That's maybe not point. even 2025. Yeah, the but NCAA eventually, moves, it's like the ice age when they're just trying to. Eventually, you might have a bowl ban. You might have scholarship reductions. Big time. That that sort of thing they're could gonna, come. They're going to lay the if, especially if they don't strip the the championship away, which I don't think they will, and I don't think think they should. Well, I think they actually might, and I don't think Michigan fans care. I don't think they care either. I, I it's mean, the they, same. They thing got about, what they wanted. Do you think they care about the Fab Five? They don't. They they still count that as a Final Four. The Fab Five was actually at a game recently, not too yeah, long that's, ago. Yeah, they did. All righty, Nebraska in, basketball. Yeah, in in terms of Big Ten basketball, um, what was your favorite rink masked bucket on Tuesday? I got a lot to choose from. I think everyone will will probably expect the shimmy shimmy step back three pointer. Uh, that was a good one. I really liked it, and call me a nerd, I think it was like his sixth point, and no one knew it was his night yet, where he just had a really strong drive to the basket with a left-hand finish. It was, it was oh, the a lefty night, drive? Yeah. The lefty drive. It was just, it, that, was, that was my favorite bucket, because those are the types of buckets that are the most efficient, and then he's going to need to produce more in order for Nebraska to have success. I always love it when he does a baby hook, too. I just think yeah, it's Yeah, he so had funny. one of those. The European baby hook goes down in the Matt McMaster basketball obscurity love list of just <laughs> things that are th- it's just so funny how like no one else no one else uses baby hooks except for european big men and i just think it's great i just think it's funny you you have also the the pantheon of his three pointers you mentioned the step back which was phenomenal i mean why not when you got a center who can just bomb him from three why not step back uh you have the one where he's at the top of the key he's looking for a pass he's looking to see if they're going to defend him they're not going to defend me okay i'm going to shoot it bam then you have a couple of just no doubters well there was he sets the screen they kick it over to him and and he just shoots i wrote the game i was sitting next to to my good friend connor clark and and another guy who i don't think was a part of nebraska media and we were all just laughing like every time we put it up and we were just like this is ridiculous that's not gonna happen yeah i just he took every shot and they were all going it's like all right uh, this is the night i did warn caleb henry about this i told caleb i go rink after five games to go rink mask is the full european big man experience like you are gonna have games where it's like six points and he looks terrible and you're gonna have games where it's like incredible i told jacob bigelow the same thing as well 
and that that was that was his night. Like that was Miritich had that night in Chicago all the time. Vucevic had that night in Chicago all the time. I even remember Omira Sheik having a couple nights like that. Like that is that is what Rink Mask is. He's more now. He's more than just one good night every three games. He's a very valuable piece on the defensive end as well. Yeah, and I really do think. And this is a conversation that if we had a four-hour radio show, we could really delve into. I think the offense runs best when he's like the first action. Mm-hmm. Like when he starts with the ball at the top of the key or when he's the first pass out to the wing or he's just a part of that first movement that starts him on the outside of the three-point line. I think that's when they have the best offense. Now, I almost spilled my coffee everywhere. Now, you can't... <laughs> You can't have, like, that's not how basketball works. You're not going to have Rink Mast run the offense every single possession. Yeah. But I think the more they do it, the better off they are. And I really have been impressed this season with his passing. Yeah. It, when, when you run it through Mast at the top of the key, it reminds me of exactly what they did a lot last year with Derek Walker. And, and he does it so well with Casey, too. Yeah. So so you, you have almost a seamless transition there. My, my favorite one, by the way, before we... Give it to me, yeah. Yeah. So it was the, uh, the full Nowitzki. The baseline, he was back to the basket, okay. did the turnaround. Oh, yeah, yeah, Off yeah, yeah, one yeah. foot, yeah. fade away. I'm beautiful. You, man. Just I'm beautiful. You. I'm telling you, it's, it's, he is the full European big man experience. <laughs> he is. He is ever, and it's great because you know what? He's a great player. He is a, he's a great player. Yeah. And so, um, the, I, I think the sky, I think the sky's the limit in terms of how far he can take the team. I will say this. I wrote the I wrote an article. I basically wrote it like the three keys articles I used to write mm-hmm. for football, uh, and it was about it's twenty eight percent is the win percentage for road teams in the Big Ten. I calculated all the other percentages, by the way, for every other power conference. It's by far the lowest. It's not even close. Yeah. Um, my number one key though is that they don't have a closer. Nebraska has guys who can go off at any given night. Tomonaga, Wilcher, Rink, you know, whatever. They don't have one of those guys though where you can just give a give them the ball and be like, all right, go and win us a game. All right, you know, last four minutes, it's yours. Lead us to victory. I think if anyone is going to be that guy, it's going to be Rink Mask. And so I think he needs to be given that opportunity, but also step up in that opportunity. So two things on that. Um, number one, what do you think the closest Nebraska uh, margin of victory has been in their wins? In their wins, what's oh. the closest margin of victory Nebraska's had I, this year? I'm pretty. I mean, is it the Northwestern one? It is the Northwestern one. Yeah, uh, but th- the point is, they don't play a lot of close games. They don't really they won that one by five. They don't play a lot of close games, so they're either pulling away, and you don't have to worry about sure. not having a closer. You're just yeah. basically hitting free throws, which but, they are good but at. The Rutgers game was o- overtime. Like that's essentially a tie. Yeah, you know, and, and that then, was a five point. That was a five oh, but point. You're loss. talking. Oh, you're talking wins. I'm talking you're when talking Nebraska wins. wins when Nebraska oh, wins a game. Running, yeah, they're not winning a close game at sure. the end. They're sure. not. They're not down to a tie game with 30 seconds left. You're absolutely right. And Bryce Williams no, drives right. or so. But, so but here's that but, is a concern that they could have because. There's not a clear cut go to guy. It can. It's good to have options. It's good to have a versatile attack. But that does maybe bite you in those close game situations, which they have lost more often than they've won. What bites? What bites you? Not having the one guy oh, that you know percent, can knock percent, that shot down. Percent. Now here's the funny thing. I did tell you 
I, I almost predicted a Northwestern game down to the tee. I go, this is going to be a very close game in the last four minutes, and Northwestern has Boo Booey, and Nebraska doesn't. And Boo Booey was what, two and for 15 terrible. in that game. He was terrible. <laughs> then he, I'm telling you right now, there's no better player in basketball history, though, than Boo Booey at Welsh Ryan Arena. Because, I mean, they, they beat, by the way, real quick for beat those, Illinois. They beat number 10 Illinois at home, which is incredible. I mean, and they've also beaten Purdue this year, along they, as, uh, no, as Nebraska are. has. They look two uh, huge wins and a loss to Chicago look, at State. Pinnacle Bank Arena. Nebraska has beaten Michigan State, Purdue, Northwestern, and Indiana. But real quick, Indiana more those threes, yeah. those those three, all of them at some point this season have been ranked. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. but then they go out and they play Iowa on the road, Rutgers on the road, Minnesota on the road. Those three teams are three of the worst four teams. In the Big Ten, they lose every single one of those games. Now, Iowa, I think they got out coached. Rutgers, they blew it. Minnesota, they blew it. Yep. Maryland, really good at home. I think their home record is either nine and two or ten and two. I'm not fully sure, but they did beat Iowa over the weekend at home. So I think it might be ten and two now. Yeah, they're real. Jameer Young is one of the best players in the country. Period. End of story. It's going to be a difficult matchup today. I think it's going to be a more difficult matchup than the previous games that they've lost. I don't I don't think it's as bad as as Wisconsin, because Wisconsin is a better team, and the Cole Center, I mean, has always been a slaughterhouse for just road teams to mm-hmm. go in and play. But it'll be it'll be interesting. I think the number one thing for me, Cole, in terms of outside of just them closing out the games, is the defensive rebounding. They they are yeah. one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the country. They really shouldn't be. With the the amount of size that they have, not only from their four and their five and Alec and Mass, but also they have big size at their shooting guard and guard or both guard positions. So it, it, they need to, they need to clean up the glass. But this is a we can say it. Mask basketball is a good team. They it's are a good team, and it's a yeah. team that should make the NCAA tournament. But should is a word that I think we throw around Nebraska athletics a little bit too much for my liking, so I'll refrain from that. Yeah. Uh, We are taking you right up to pregame coverage here on KLIN at 10 a.m. You'll start hearing Ken Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen. We're here with you until then. uh, Juwan Gary's status has already been determined. We'll tell you what that is for this game coming up. Uh, And Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7 will join us. Um, He's got some thoughts on Husker hoops. Uh, Plus, we'll get a lot of recruiting updates from Schaefer as as well, big weekend last weekend, uh, and uh, maybe even today as well for uh, Husker recruiting. It's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Rolling along here on our Saturday morning. It's uh, taking you right up to pregame coverage. Nebraska basketball out at Maryland. And part of the 24-7 Hoops cast is Mike Schaefer. He joins us. You know him very well from all of his recruiting coverage, but covers Husker Hoops as well. Schaefer, how are you doing this morning? I am good. How are we doing here? Schaefer. How you doing, buddy? Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Hey, real quick, I my dad calls me before every single show, and he wants okay. he always gets the rundown. And I go, "Yeah, uh, Schaefer's coming on. The Minnesota guy's coming on today." And he goes, "Yes, let's go." So there you go. You're the first. You're the first person to ever get an excited reaction from my dad about a guest. So congrats. That's, that's because he knows that I'm not supporting the Lions today either. I, of, thank know. God. 
I, is no it is it just there. me? Do you also hate all your division like opponents? I I think it's your like you're supposed to. I don't yeah. understand this like, oh, everyone should feel good about Detroit. No, I don't feel good about it at all. Absolutely yeah. not. No, because That's here's what I don't know where you're coming from, but where I'm coming from, they've been the laughing stock my entire life and like if they win the Super Bowl, it's going to be like, well, now the Bears are just the laughing stock and it's going to be so no and I'm sure for you, you've had great teams and who haven't won the Super Bowl and then Detroit gets one year and they win the Super Bowl, I bet you're going to feel pretty crappy about that too. Part of it for me is that I don't really think that they're great. Like I, think I don't think they advantage are either. of a, the fourth place schedule. They've won a bunch of games against bad teams. I agree. They had a pretty easy road here to the the NFC Championship. Absolutely. But they they deserve to be in the playoffs. They're no, they're frauds. they're frauds. I, <laughs> they're frauds. They're frauds. They're frauds. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I would call frauds, but they're definitely not. I don't think they're Super Bowl worthy. But no, you know, you not. gotta you gotta maximize your shot when you get it right. Like that's how these things work. Absolutely. Yeah, well, hey, one thing we can all agree on today, go nope, Chiefs. No one agrees nope. on the Chiefs. <laughs> no. Nobody cares. No one wants to talk to him. <laughs> I am so tired of the Chiefs. I'm so tired it, of it's just, Cole. Yeah, well, that's that's understandable. And it's, it's not <laughs> Fair. I, like, I appreciate that they have this success, right? Because you need measuring sticks in sports. And, like, I was never someone who hated that Alabama was good. I just got tired of seeing them in the championship game every year. But then yeah. it also really mattered when someone got through them. So whenever the Bills, if the Bills ever do this, or if Lamar today and Baltimore are able to knock off the Chiefs, it does mean more because of all of that history, and it's just like a a really big deal. But man, if this is like this is the worst Chiefs team in this stretch, and if they're still able to make it, it will be absolutely ridiculous, Schaefer. I said the same thing to someone yesterday. For society, it would be terrible. Take a C plus team with Patrick Mahomes to the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous. A loaded AFC. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know that I can handle it. It's, well, it just, it's bad for the future. The Chiefs are the Golden State Warriors. It was like cute at first to see like a middling franchise without a lot of success like be really good, and now it's just really getting annoying. Like you're just absolutely tired of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I appreciate them more than I appreciated the Warriors because, like, really, who cares about the NBA who cares? in Nebraska? Who cares? But, uh, yeah, I don't. Cole, I can't wish you any luck or success no. for yet another year. I think we're we're now five years into this where I'm I'm like. Just rooting against the Chiefs in the playoffs. It's gone very well for me. It's gone great so far. Keep it up. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, um, we uh, Matt and I had this discussion just a minute ago here. What was your uh, what was your favorite rink mast bucket from Tuesday's exhibition? It was uh, exhibition. Wow, that's a just just going in on Ohio State basketball. Just a so shooting like, clinic. <laughs> just comparing them to Doan is what I'm. Saying. Oh, so, um, yeah, I. Honestly, this sounds really stupid. It was the first one because he goes up and he takes it, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, bro, you've missed, like, 79% of your shots here in the last two weeks. What are we doing? And he just catches it, and you could see, like, because his very next one came from the same spot, like, you could just see his confidence from that spot, center, you know, top of the key, just centered with the basket, like, with 100%. He basically just knew both times when those left his hand that he had nailed them. And they, I don't even think either one of the first two touched the rim. And then the, the remarkable thing is like, okay, he hits those first three from the same exact spot. He starts moving around at that point. You're like, okay, this, this guy's on one. And that's always fun to watch in basketball. Like it was, it was also fun because CJ Wilter sort of had that going on too. Um, yeah. where he hit those two threes in the corner. And then he had an opportunity for a third, and he pump faked the guy, and he drove in and ended up passing it away, I think. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, 
for Nebraska, first of all, it's rare when you have multiple guys on the same team that are making shots at the same night. Uh, but it's always, you know, it's always fun when someone's just kind of on fire and they're just, you know, just letting it fly. Like normally it's the other way around where you're like, all right, this guy missed his last four, but he is cute. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's slightly more fun to experience it when the guy's gone four straight and you're like, can he do five? Yeah. Can he do six? And he kept he kept taking them too, Mike. And it's just like you you knew they were going in, and then they did go in. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's just it's it's wild because, like I said, that guy. I mean, he was coming off of probably the worst week of his collegiate career uh, with the games against Northwestern and yeah. and Rutgers. I mean, he was for for someone that you would widely regard as been the the critical factor in making this offense run the way that Fred Hoiberg wants. He was a net negative for an entire week of basketball. Mm-hmm. Turns around Tuesday at home, it's all flushed out of the system, and he puts up what was it, thirty-four I, points, it, career high. Mike, it's the European big man experience. That's just what that's just what it is. That's just that's just what you have to live with. But I got I got a question for you, Jordan Cornette. He's a, a college basketball reporter. Came out and said, "Look, if we played the NCAA tournament at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Nebraska's your national champions." Yet, when this team goes out on the road, it's quite the opposite. Do you do you have any answers for for us here? Like, why do you think it's such a stark contrast between Nebraska's play at the vault and Nebraska's play literally anywhere else? Well, it, it's hard, right? Because they had a double digit lead against Minnesota. They had a double digit lead against Rutgers. Yeah. Like, it's not. It's not like they just go on the road and get absolutely whipped. Mm-hmm. They put themselves in situations to finish these games, and they have it. And I think part of it, to me, when you go on the road, you kind of need that guy who can just take over chunks of time for you. Yeah. And I don't think Nebraska is built that way. They don't have that one player who's just going to be, you know, and in, in the past it's been Terran Petaway, and he did it at Michigan State, and he basically won them that game in, in 2014 in February. The big dagger three-pointer down the stretch. James Palmer has taken over games for Nebraska. You know, we, we saw it with other players individually at times. Ty Webster did it, uh, even when Nebraska wasn't particularly good. Andrew White has done it. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that sort of, and you know, I, I call it like an alpha, that one go-to guy yeah. where he is just going to take over this stretch of time. And even though you're in this, like, funk, and we saw it against Rutgers, we saw it against Northwestern at home, too. So it's not just a road home split. You've got to have that guy in the, you know, when your team is not putting up baskets, when you haven't had a field goal in four minutes, you need to have that one player that you can go to and basically be mm-hmm. like, okay, get me a basket. And yep. it should probably be Bryce Williams. And I just don't know that he has that. Well, he tried doing confidence. it against Minnesota, and then he, he started turning well, the he had ball a terrible over. terrible game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a great first half and then a terrible second half. Um, and a lot of Nebraska's issues when they aren't playing well on the road, they turn the ball over a ton. I mean, they don't have a true point guard. I think that hurts them. It does. I think they don't have that, that guy that's just like the floor general on this team. I, I tell people this, and it's really weird. I think they're the most talented team Nebraska's had in a long time. But it's through the virtue of having like seven guys that are really good in their roles and mm-hmm. don't overdo what they're supposed to do most of the time. But none of those guys are just like your straight-up best player on the court without question. Because you you get these moments where you have rink mass for 34 points, and you have C.J. Wilcher go off. But K.C. Tominaga only played a handful of minutes and didn't really do much. But then you needed him to finish that game against Northwestern. And you needed, you know, uh, Josiah Alex to give you that first. Like, so you, you have this team that's built in a way where, you know, one individual piece, if he's off, the rest of the whole can pick it up. 
but sometimes you need that one individual piece to pick up the rest of the whole. So it's, it's just sort of a, it's a weird conundrum to have. I mean, and you know, I, I just hope that at some point it clicks for Bryce Williams, because I think he can be that guy. If someone was going to elevate themselves to sort of be the guy you want to take the final shot, the guy that you want to end this ice cold run, the guy that can sort of do it, it'd be a three level scorer like that. I think he has the game to do it. I don't know if he has the mentality yet to where he's comfortable doing that. At least not at the Big Ten level. Joined by Mike Schaefer of Husker 24-7 here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Schaefer, let's transition over to football. Uh, we've got, as as some people might recall, the old school signing day coming up here in early February. Keona Wilhite is uh, a big target for Nebraska. Uh, I want to talk about 2025. We've got a big junior day in the rearview mirror now from last weekend. Uh, a lot of visitors, uh, a lot of momentum in, in recruiting after the the Dylan Riola coup. To give give me a uh, like, uh, let's do this one. Give me one or two really good storylines that you're seeing kind of develop that that maybe aren't getting a lot of play uh, from coming out of this junior day. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll give you one from uh, down in Florida. I think Cortez Mills is a wide receiver to watch uh, that could end up in this class for Nebraska. He's a top two four seven guy for twenty four seven sports. The other visits he's taking here this spring include uh, Georgia, Clemson, and LSU. So, And Nebraska, he has said after this recent visit, is very much at the top of the list. He was coached by Philip Simpson, who's a defensive quality control coach for the Huskers, who goes on the road sometimes recruiting down in Miami. He's really well known in that area. He's friends with guys like Corey Collier and Dwight Boodle and Willis McGahee and Ja'Cory Barney. But they all kind of know each other because they grew up sort of playing in these seven-on-seven events and against each other and with each other at these Miami schools. And so there's a real comfort level that Cortez Mills has already. And, oh, by the way, he's a wide receiver, and Nebraska picked up Dylan Riola. So, and they need wide receivers. So he very much knows that he would be in demand in Lincoln. I think he really loved his visit. Like Cole didn't bother him. He had a great mentality on it. Some of these guys down in Florida have really adopted this. I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's Nebraska kind of preaching it, but it's definitely the mentality of you look at these NFL playoff games, you got to play in it, you got to live in mm-hmm. it at some point. So why not just do it at a place where you want to be at, regardless of what the weather is? And I think that's a good way of looking at it. So I, uh, I don't know that it means they're going to get Cortez Mills, but I think this is someone to keep an eye on the radar. If it happens, I would suspect it happens sometime in that April, May, June run when they're going to have official visitors. They can have official visits start in April. We don't know yet if that's what Matt Rule wants to do. They set it all up for June of last year, and then they had that big weekend at the end of the month. Uh, but Cortez Mills definitely wanted to keep an eye on. And then I'm going to group a bunch of players together. There's a lot of talent in the – and this is 25, 26, 27. There's a lot of talent in and around the Kansas City, Kansas area, and that if you send that down south or you know into sort of Lawrence and into different areas in Kansas, into to just south of Kansas City and Missouri, there's just a lot of talent that proximity-wise, Nebraska is very close to. And we saw last year with Grant Bricks that if they get their you know hooks in, they can really make it happen, even against Oklahoma, even against Kansas State, and in that case, against Alabama. And so I, I think as you look at this, Nebraska's got a lot of talent relatively close to it, but they haven't put in the work previously. They don't have the great you know, relationships that they used to have in the Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri area. They don't have the players coming out of there like they used to. They have some guys. Um, you know, they, they have the, the wide receiver from Raymore Peculiar, Jaden Goss. I couldn't think of a name for a second. Yeah. They've gotten some players. But it would be really important 
for Nebraska to, to really kind of focus and hammer on that area close to home. Because to me, like Kansas City is your backyard, and Nebraska, you know, should be recruiting it well. But here's the problem. Kansas is good right now. Kansas State is good right now. Oklahoma is good right now. Yeah. Missouri is good right now. All of these schools that you had a time period where you could have just sort of built yourself up in that area are now playing better football than you. So what are you going to sell? Your facilities are great, and the freshness, the new car smell of the program is great. But you got to get these guys to commit to you, and then you need some of them to have some success. So I think I'm really kind of keeping an eye on what they do in that Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri region, because there's probably a half dozen recruits that were up there or this weekend uh, from that area that have interest in Nebraska. Very quickly, Michael, and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, Alex Max, Mansk, top uh, top guy, quarterback position, Iowa, or from Magnolia, Iowa, right? Um, does it hurt them in his recruitment, the fact that they have two Elite 11 quarterbacks in this class of 2024, real quickly? Yeah, he's uh, he's from Algona. Uh, okay, quickly. my uh, bad. Uh, uh, Grand Bricks is from Magnolia. So gotcha. You're, you're, you're I was around. Same state. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't, you know. <laughs> go after you too much. I appreciate no, it. it's going to be really hard to get a 2025 quarterback with what they have on campus and Daniel Kalen and, and Dylan Riola. And then you have to, you have to have this factor in the back of your mind, still down in Georgia, 2026 Dayton Riola. Yeah. That's where he's probably going to go. Nebraska. Probably going to be Nebraska. So I would anticipate being a 2025 quarterback, looking at Nebraska's situation, you got to be a special kid to say, you know what? I want to put myself in that. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be really hard for them to find a quarterback this year. Whether you're listening home or away, Mike Schaefer is always a quad one guest here on always, KLI and Husker always. Hour. Schaefer, uh, enjoy the football tomorrow. Enjoy the basketball today. And uh, we'll talk again soon. You've left out the Royal Rumble tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm having a party tonight. I'm having people over. Not party at McMaster's. Hey, who do you got real quick, Schaefer? Who do you got? Uh, I kind of want it to be Drew McIntyre. Oh, I, I love that from you. I, I, I enjoyed that. I'm gonna, I I'm gonna, will be, but. I'm gonna go with the ring general Gunther. That's who okay. I'm going with. Uh, that would be a surprise. I would love that. There yeah, you go. Sorry, you wouldn't. I'm, you don't, you I'm don't. gonna go with Patrick Mahomes. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, Shafe. We'll talk later. <laughs> uh, it's always fun having him on. It's always uh, fun. Roy, hey, I, we we need to get uh, a Packers fan and a Lions fan in here with you two and do an NFC North Royal Rumble. Schaefer would win, but yeah. Well, <laughs> No, well, I, I mean, like, like you know, like a debate. I feel like that would be a really good podcast idea. Like, let's get four fans of the same teams in a, in a, or the four fans of a, you know, what I'm talking about in a debate. Yeah, like you get writers that'll do that. Oh my like, god, that'll the, be great. The Chiefs and and Ravens like beat writers for the oh, Athletic sure, have an sure. article this morning out, and oh, that's great. I didn't know that. You, you, you kind of take okay. Yeah. This is the angle. The Bears from this, have to make the playoffs in order for me to read something like that. Well, so I wouldn't certainly. Really know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can get like some draft content. You know, like Man, oh, I'm hey, so excited. For great. This cool draft the Bears I'm just did. So excited! They're still not going to make the playoffs. I've been doing the PFF mock drafts on my own recently. I, I keep trading the go. pick. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, hey, we got uh, more Husker hoops to get to. We're going to talk women as well uh, here when we come back. Uh, more to come here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Thanks to Mike Schaefer for joining us. If you missed his conversation 
about Husker recruiting, Husker football, the NFL playoffs, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, you can always download the KLI and Husker Hour podcast. Subscribe to that in your favorite podcast feed. And, uh, yeah, just get your get your Husker Hour content anywhere you go, anytime you want. Hey, uh, we have... We have women's hoops uh, hot and heavy right now, too. The men are in action today. The women are in action as well. What they are, they are tracking to, to make the tournament. They are. And, and they've got a great freshman in Natalie Potts. You already know about Jazz Shelley. You already lo- know about Lexis Markowski. What, what else should we know about how Nebraska has been playing lately? What what have you seen? I know you're you're pretty close to the program, having doing a lot of broadcasts, a lot of stories. I would say this: they're coming off of their worst game of the year against Penn State. They looked awful. The offense looked awful. They just couldn't get anything going. They only lost by nine, but they were down, you know, double digits for most of that game. Uh, they've had. I mean, it's hard to win on the road. You know, in the Big Ten, and, and they've had some difficulties with that. They've they've lost. They dropped one in Minnesota. They dropped one in uh, Penn State. Those are two teams that they probably should have beaten. In all honesty, they're thirteen and six right now. They're they're home stretch against Purdue, Rutgers, and then they have like a away game in Michigan. But like after this Iowa game on the road, which is going to be an incredibly difficult task. Yeah. Um. Their Purdue-Rutgers-Michigan slate is going to be really important and if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And they have a pretty favorable schedule on the back half, you know, toward February. Uh, but just in terms of the meat and potatoes, that those next three games after Iowa... Look, they haven't beaten a ranked opponent yet. Mm-hmm. They have played number 14 Iowa. They lost by 22. Uh, they played number 22 Creighton. They were down for most of that game, and they only lost by five. They're playing. They have a great opportunity to play Iowa at Iowa. It's yep. going to be incredibly difficult. They'll host um, the Hawkeyes as well. Here's the thing. I say the Purdue Rutgers Michigan slate is going to be really important in order for them to make the NCAA tournament. If they win today, you know what I'm saying? Like if they if they win today, if they beat Iowa today, that's almost going to do everything but guarantee them making the NCAA tournament because they have wins over good Big Ten opponents, but they, I mean, they, they beat Maryland. Maryland was a massive win. That was big. And that, and that's probably been their best win of the year. Um, But they got to come out and look, they got to play a full 40 minutes against Iowa. And that's just something they really haven't been able to do the last, regardless of, the win against you know Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and regardless of the win against Illinois and their win against Michigan, I think Michigan was the, their closest 40, 40 minute performance they've had in Big Ten play, mm-hmm. um, and I would argue that was probably their best game. And then they followed it up by playing Penn State on the road and ap- absolutely laid an egg. So yeah. big opportunity today. They need to play a full forty minutes. I think they can beat them. I think they have the op- the the ability to beat them. Heck, Ohio State beat Iowa. You know, and and I think that you know Nebraska is pretty similar to them. So, yeah. uh, what, what's your thoughts? What's your take? So, the, I think the consistency you're right is is something that's not there yet, and you hope that that continues to develop as the season goes along. the The role players are coming into their own. They are obviously the the big two of Shelley and Markowski need to be there every night. And then Natalie Potts has basically grabbed the the third leg of that tripod. But seeing uh, a few 
instances where you've got Kendall Coley playing a big role in a game. Kendall Moriarty had a big game a little while back as well. You've seen moments from Logan Nisley and Jessica Petrie, Callan Hake. Like the there's it's it's a little bit like the way the the men play in terms of they do have different players who can step up in any give, d- given game. The difference is Nebraska men are not rely so reliant upon two individual players. I totally agree. It can be two of of any group of of six, seven, eight players potentially that are the big two on that night. And Natalie Potts has at times been one of the big two in a game in particular. But it's it's a different style when when you have two such clear cut stars on your team to where you're very reliant upon them. And I don't know if it's the fact that the other girls are just more deferential to them. Sure. Or if they just they're they're just trying to find their spots, right? And 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 make sure that they're doing what they're coached to do, and they are are trying to just kind of supplement I what think, what I, Shelley and Markowski. I, I think give. the big thing is is that any night any of those role players can go off and have massive games, but the problem is is that they have to take shots in order for them to find out if it's their game, and in yeah. doing so, they lose a couple possessions, and that's kind of when you have those droughts. Yeah. I will say this, and rel- that's I, f- I think that's a terrific point that you made about the, the contrast between having five to six players compared to having two really big players, because in relativeness, in relativeness, Alexis Markowski and Jazz Shelley are better players than any of the men on the Nebraska basketball team. And yeah. what, and rel, like, in terms of relative, women, relative to relative, their stature within the team yes, and how they rel, perform yes, game to game consistently. Yes, and relative to their stature within their yeah. Big Ten, in the Big Ten, because yeah. they are first team all Big Ten players. That's right. You know, once again, I'm not saying that Jazz Shelley is a better basketball player than Bryce Williams. I'm just saying relative to you know the, their sports which mm-hmm. they play, yeah. Jazz Shelley and Lexus Markowski are better than any of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think it is. You're absolutely right. It's weird, you know, when you have those two players like that, and it's like if they're not clicking, then you're like grasping for straws, right? And there have been points throughout the entirety of Lexus Markowski's career and Jazz Shelley's career here at Nebraska where they are the best play they look like the best player in the country. They look like a player who is at Caitlin Clark's level. Jazz Shelley has made like nine three pointers in a game. But then there are also nights where they, they they don't look like all Big Ten first team players. Where they're obsolete, where they're not really doing a whole lot. And so you're absolutely right. The consistency and the makeup of the team and kind of the panic of like there is a steep drop off between your third best player and your fourth best player. Yeah. And so that is a concern, especially when you have a team that is vulnerable to going into droughts the way that they are. It very much is a live by three, die by three, or just live by offense, hot offense, and then die by cold offense because that's what it's been. Yeah. Yeah, the women are in action today out at Iowa. It's a 12.30 pregame and 1 o'clock tip over on B107.3. Uh, of course, we're taking you right up to the pregame action here on KLIN for the men's game. They're at Maryland. That is an 11 a.m. tip, so 10 o'clock, right when this show ends, uh, you will hear the pregame coverage with Kent Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen out at College Park, Maryland. Uh, when we come back, more on the Husker men's game and and how they're trending plus uh, a few more thoughts on uh, the football recruiting weekend and what's to come here before the 2024 February signing date as well as looking ahead to the 2025 class it's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour stick with us
Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. You know, lately I've We talked to Mike Schaefer earlier today, got into a little bit of recruiting discussion, and there are some big targets, obviously, uh, within Nebraska's sites for 2025. I want to touch on, uh, before we get to, to some 2025 guys, the the biggest target left for 2024, and that's Keona Wilhite. Uh, this is a guy who is committed, and maybe did he? I don't know if he signed with Washington. No, he was just committed to them, and then decommitted after the Kalen DeBoer move to Alabama. I actually don't know. Re- regardless of whether he signed or not, he would have been released from that signature because of the coaching change. Yes, and so he is making the rounds. He's getting a lot of attention, and uh, he's honestly uh, the last big target for 2024 that is we he, are aware of in Nebraska. Uh, Kenny Wilhite. Is there a connection there between? I don't know. We should I, have, neither do I. Should have asked Shea. Probably. Yeah, we should have. It's a unique last name. Yeah. Anyway, so Wilhite has visited Michigan State. He is uh, getting an in-home from UCLA. Uh, also, is considering Texas. So those are those are kind of the the competition for Nebraska in terms of getting this guy. He's out of Arizona. Uh, he's an edge rusher. Pass rush super important, and and Nebraska could certainly use another one. Uh, and oh, you can always. You and can always and he was here pictures. last weekend in the snow. He had the picture out at, at midfield with the the Huskers having cleared off the red N at the fifty yard line, and the rest of the snow is covering the field. So uh, that's always a good look. You love to see that. And and yeah, he's he's the last one that 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 they could pick up in that twenty twenty four class. Um. I was reading Husker online. Pretty sure Sean Callahan called because we're not recruiting guys by any means necessary. We're just you know just general. It's not even our part time job. No, it's not even. Um, he called. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Callahan called Keona Wilhite, yeah. the type of guy that you know you make room for. And it, it was just very curious to me that you have this February signing day and you're still going after 2024 guys, regardless of the fact that these numbers are really really getting high in terms of scholarships and making moves and such. But um. Yeah, I, I, you know, kind of looking at his rating, looking at you know going to Washington, very highly touted recruit, can't get enough de- defensive ends. So, uh, if this is a guy that the recruiting people are saying that Nebraska should go after, well, Nebraska should go after and then figure out the rest. You know, they always say, um, what, "What is it? Don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness." I think they're gonna they'll figure out the the scholarships on the back end and just give the guys who are the best players. So. It's a last minute kind of hit trying to go after a guy, and I think it's good. It's the aggressiveness of this uh, recruiting. So I I love how aggressive this staff is at recruiting, and how they're just there's no fear. They're willing yeah. to go after any guy that shows any sort of interest in playing for them. Um, so yeah, yeah. Look, as a guy who's turning forty this year, uh, you know how they say age is just a number. Yeah. At this point, the scholarships, you know, it's it's just a number. Know, it's not I, really. You know what? Here's the thing: if, if the money's at, there in nil, but, but it doesn't like, matter. But okay, everyone who I've ever you know, listen to or talk to about whether it be in the media or, or, or so on and so forth. They're all like, "Don't worry about the scholarship numbers. Don't worry about." It. And I and I wouldn't It'll work itself out. Listen, yeah. listen. I wouldn't if they were at like ninety two. 
you know, or if they were like at 93. I really, okay, you can figure that out. They're like 105 at this point. Like they are, they even brought on six transfer targets after being close to 100 on just your actual scholarship players, high school recruits, whatever. So, I mean, yeah, it'll figure itself out. It'll be interesting, though. I think there's going to be, you got to think that there's going to be a lot of activity in the spring transfer portal. Yeah, I, I would certainly think so. More so than people are going to anticipate. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, for for twenty twenty five, real quick, there is a, a an in state walk on commit that is uh, Norfolk tight end Rowdy Bauer. Give oh, me a guy. What a name! Give me a Nebraska kid named Rowdy all day. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's a uh, he's actually a member of the twenty twenty four. Excuse me, uh, of the twenty twenty four recruiting class. Uh, so uh, that is a walk on commit into uh, the class of twenty four twenty twenty five. So I found this in uh, the uh, the Lincoln Journal Star article. I believe this was uh, Luke Mullen, our uh, good pal, our very good show, friend, Luke Mullen. He uh, points out there's a target for 2025 out of Goodland, Kansas. Do you know which Husker great came from no, Goodland, Kansas? No, Matt? why would I know? You would. I. That's yeah. You're, you go ahead, Brooke Barringer. Oh, I do know Brooke Barringer. Yeah, from Goodland, Kansas. So this guy is a uh, 2025 tight end. His name is Lincoln. Lincoln Cure. Cool. He's a top 50 national recruit oh, wow. and the number two tight end prospect in the class of 2025. This, this team in tight ends, man. They just, I mean, it's, it's, they're trying to, they're trying to be a factory. Rob Dvorak and Evan Cooper went to see him uh, earlier this week and uh, he's actually set to be in Miami this weekend. Okay. Um, so uh, a, a target from uh, a place that, that Husker fans would know well. Uh, Schaefer, we talked about uh, Cortez Mills with him. Uh, there's also uh, a Valentine, or excuse me, Palatine, Illinois. Do you know that? Yeah, that a Chicago area. It, not really Chicago area. No. Uh, well, I mean, it's closer. It's like 45 minutes away from where I am when okay. I'm like 10 minutes away from downtown. So it's like it's in the Arlington Heights. Uh, okay. You wouldn't know. Who cares? It's it's. it's I, I think I know where Arlington. It's west. Northwest it's west. Arlington Heights it's, is. Yeah. Jalen Williams, uh, defensive lineman out of Palatine, uh, four star recruit. Nebraska first offered him last May. Uh, he's in the top 250. Uh, he is expected to be here. This weekend, uh, Wisconsin is uh, also in on him, as is Michigan. Yeah, I mean, they're in on uh, Wisconsin and Michigan around every single Illinois prospect known to man. So, so, it, so yeah, we, we say all that to say it's it's a very busy time in recruiting. Uh, Nebraska's staff is, they this is their second season, right? They're able to kind of get ahead oh, of the game now. To, he just goes to Palatine. Wow, good for them. They're not, I mean, I, I thought he would go somewhere else. I didn't know he would. Never mind. I was just Illinois. See, I I keep track of the like the old school Nebraska roster in their hometowns. Sure. You keep track of the Chicago area guys. Maybe, maybe should we start doing that? We play a role. Everybody's yeah, got a I job guess. to do here. I guess. You know, it's all good. Um, hey, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with some Husker hoops. We're taking you right up to pregame coverage at 10 a.m. It is an 11 a.m. tip out at Maryland. Big big game. Can Nebraska get a road? Big Ten victory. We have another shot to see if they can do it today. We're going to wrap up the show right after this with our thoughts on the Huskers out east. Right after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Keep it a rolling here. 
1400 on 1400-993-K online. It's the Husker Hour. I'm Matt McMaster. Join as always by Cole Stukenholtz. Big game coming up. We're just five minutes away from pregame as the Nebraska Cornhuskers go all the way out to Maryland take on the Terrapins. Pretty big game. Cole, here's my question for you. Yeah. How rank me the importance of this game amongst the past Big Ten games Nebraska has played over the last couple of weeks. Where does this rank for you? I think the most important game that the Huskers had play had played up to this point was Northwestern, considering the fact that they were at home and they were coming off of two road losses, right? And, and, and you know, I don't think the Purdue game was as big because no one really had the expectation that they were necessarily going to beat them in the way that they did. You're playing with house money in that one. Exactly. Yeah. This one, I think, could rival their most important game up to this point. What do you, considering the fact it's on the road, they're 0-4 on the road, and, and how big of a momentum builder would it be if they could finally get over the hump and beat a, a good, it's a pretty good Maryland team. They're 4-5 and five in, in the Big Ten. They're very much in the conversation for being a tournament team. They're on the bubble right now. Uh, you know, they're, they're really good. They're 9-2 at home. Give me the perspective here. So you, you obviously want to protect home court. Yeah. And, and so those games are always going to be big, but just in terms of the the reason the Northwestern game was so important for me was because Nebraska and Northwestern had similar resumes. Absolutely. I mean, almost identical. So the fact that you got them and you protected your home court, like if Northwestern had gotten that game, that would have been a big mark against Nebraska in terms of comparing those two teams. That's why that game coming up on February 7th is a big one because Nebraska goes out to yeah. Evanston. No, you're right. So this one is is a, a potential separator because you mentioned earlier, was it 25%? Twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight percent is the win percentage of road Big Ten of teams road big, and in conference. Quick, no, there's only one team that has a winning record away, and that's not just the Big Ten. That's just all. That's the entire away games played by Big Ten teams. Only one team yeah. has a winning record. So, for Nebraska is ultimately, I think, going to win a road game. Yeah, you got to think, right? If it's today, that's. Awesome. Uh, I, I mean, it, they they will have other opportunities coming up. The Northwestern game, I think, they're going to be at Illinois. That's going to be a tough one, obviously. And then they have Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan as well, which those three teams are, are not trending in the right direction. As they are so. So today is a good. Uh, it's a good test to to play against another team like the Northwestern matchup with a similar resume. Uh, and to do it away from home, yeah. uh, we do we do already know Juwan Gary is out for today's game. They put out the player availability report. He is not going to be available to, to, to play today. So gotta gotta rebound and, and you gotta guard Jameer Young. Those are the those are the keys. Here's the thing. I don't think there is a more important road game left on their schedule than this one. Because this is I, it. I think I, because here's why. Okay. You win this game, the amount of momentum that you have going back to Pinnacle Bank Arena and playing number thirteen Wisconsin, look you need that momentum. You need the hype. You need PBA. PBA is going to be sold out quicker if they win this game in Maryland oh, than yeah. if, they, if they don't win this game in Maryland yeah. and put a lot of hope into this team. And that Wisconsin game will be the de facto biggest game of the year because there is expectations. And you win that game in Wisconsin, you might be ranked. And, 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 if, yeah. and, and very well could already be punching your ticket to the NCAA tournament in February. Big, big game. Uh, we got pregame right after this. Don't turn that dial right here on 99.3 and 1400 KLIN. Uh, thanks to Mike Schaefer who joined us. That's Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Go Chiefs and go Big Red.